Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Wayman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we bring you the latest updates from OU spring practice, and we break down OU's wide receivers. Then Eddie Radosevich joins us to preview the Masters. We finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, April 7th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Riverwind will be featuring live music and local food trucks every month starting in May for the Beats and Bites Festival. Performers include the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary, If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. It's master's week, baby. Yeah, it's great. Can't wait. Best week of the year. It is. It is arguably the best week of the year. And we've got our buddy. Eddie Radosevich to break it all down. And, and like, I will say this about our man, Eddie, he knows golf. Like he is obsessed. Yeah, he does. He, he does a really good job talking about it, covering it. Um, obviously knows enough to be able to, to talk about how, how everyone's playing, who has a good shot, but still brings his unique spin and a sense of humor to it as well. It's great. Love it. Yeah. But before we talk masters with Eddie, let's talk. OU spring ball. Just a reminder, spring game, April 23rd, get your tickets pass pack the palace. I'll say this. I had some people 
tweet me and say that they think there could be like 50,000 or so at the spring game. I want to go on record saying this right now, Ted. If there are only 50,000 fans at the spring game, I'm going to be very disappointed in the fan base. I am leaving a trip to South Carolina to be at the spring game. Hmm. Like I'm, I'm going with my wife and my son for a couple of days. I am leaving them to be at the spring game <laughs> because Toby sends that text every year, everyone in for the spring game. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm in. Can't miss it. I can't miss it. I can't tell all these people to come to the spring game and not be there myself. So I'll be there and we'll be working. But the new head coach has openly challenged the fan base to be there. If there's only 50,000 people, I'm telling you right now, I am tweeting just this will be the quote. 50,000 question mark. I'm disappointed in the OU fan base. If that happens, I'm just telling you right now, that tweet will get fired off. Yeah, is, uh, as long as we have a good weather day, it should be a massive, massive turnout. There's so much to see. Baker Mayfield statue, right? That's an experience in itself. Uh, a new offense, a new defense, a new quarterback, a new head coach. Like, there's so much there for people to come out and take in that uh, even if they weren't, you know, making it a point to pack the palace, I, I would expect there'd be a, a really big crowd as long as there's good weather. I mean, that's, that's always a factor. So man, I sure hope people show up because, you know, back to the thing we've talked about, Oklahoma is going to be going to the sec and forget, uh, even if we weren't, we're trying to compete with the best in the country. We have a, a tradition of playing like the best in the country. I, it need everything that we do needs to look like it's the best program in the country. You're going to have a ton of recruits here. Like it needs to be the best spring game atmosphere in the country. Like you're asking these guys to not go to Alabama, to not go to Georgia, to not go to LSU to not go to some of these schools that, you know, pack their place on, on spring games and, you know, have great college football atmospheres. You're asking these players to not go to those schools to come here. And they're going to say, why? And hopefully we say, look at this spring game atmosphere. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in the fall? Yep. I think that is, that's very well said. And we're going to continue to say it until that thing is packed on April 23rd, it's, it's part of our mission, you know, just trying to help the program That's right. here. That's right. Okay. So, uh, OU practice Monday, uh, scrimmaged Wednesday. They'll be back on the practice field on Friday, but Ted, you went and talked to the team on Wednesday morning, uh, with Dusty Dvorak and Dan Cody per the head coach's requests. I can only imagine how that went, I, I did get a report back that, that Dan Cody was rather intense <laughs> when he talked, which is the least surprising thing ever. But how was that, man? It, it was cool. Um, it was really cool. I was, I was glad Coach had us up there. It's always good to, to be around the guys and be a part of it. Um, it was awesome. And I'll tell you right now, I, I was – I didn't, I wasn't necessarily questioning like 
if it was going to go well with Dan Cody. I knew it was. I just didn't know. Like, th- there's there was no real. I didn't have an idea what where he was going to take it. But I'll tell you what, man. Home run. It was so cool listening to him talk. Uh, the the energy, the enthusiasm, the love that he has for the program, the love that he has for for Venables and Schmitty, and it was just it was. It was so cool. I was, I was thrilled with with how it went with him, man. He he absolutely hit it out of the park. It was awesome. I, I imagine the energy and the enthusiasm was at an eleven out of ten with that guy. Oh, it was crazy. Luckily, I got to start off, which you always want to start off. You don't want there, like, if Dan had gone first, like you can't. There's you just don't follow that, you know. I, so it was great. I got to go first. I just kind of laid it out there. I opened. I opened for Dusty and Dan, and it just it built and built to a crescendo with Dan Cody bringing down the house. It was great. What 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 was your best line when you look back? Because I know you're just like I am. Like you speak in front of a group of people, you kind of replay it in your head after the fact. And when you did that, what were you like? Okay, yeah, that was good. That was a good one. I, I I killed it with that. This is really going to disappoint you. Oh no! I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like what the? I, maybe there wasn't a good line. I don't know. Maybe it was all gibberish. And I sometimes feel like Will Ferrell coming out of that. Like what? Just I blacked out. What happened? That's how you debate. I, that's that's kind of how I feel at times. But I don't know. It's pretty. A pretty straightforward message, you know, just kind of, just kind of about, about like the growth you have to go through as a player. Like it doesn't all happen just as soon as you show up, you know, and, and we talked to the coach Venables beforehand and, you know, he had, he had talked about some of the guys that I, I wouldn't say that they're struggling. They're just, they're like in that world of like, it's a lot right now, you know, they've got. They got new offense, new defense, new strength and conditioning staff, new head coach. Like everything that they do up there is totally different from what it was like previously. Everything. The way they eat, the way they dress, the way they meet, the way they practice, the way they lift and run, every single detail of what they do is totally different so i just kind of talked through like it's it's that's the normal that's the normal grind man it's the normal grind and then there's going to come a point where finally you're going to notice like hey i didn't get screamed at today (laughs) you know it's like hey i i made it i actually i didn't just survive a workout like i i pushed through it good like i i was i was in it so just, just some of that basic stuff. Nothing, uh, nothing groundbreaking. You, Dan, Cody, and Dusty in a room together. Just, <laughs> that's a lot great, of man. That's a lot of meathead in one place. It is, it is. But what a great group. I mean, uh, seriously, Dan and Dusty were they were fantastic. It's fun hearing those guys talk. Um, fun hearing Coach Venables talk about each guy uh, a little bit too. So it was cool. It, 
I don't know if anyone there got anything out of it at all, but I did. I, I thought it was great. Well, that's all that matters. Is that you got that's something right. out of it. That's it. All right, let's yeah. talk about some OU wide receivers. So I, I think it's important to start with this. Kale Gundy now coaching that group. Kale Gundy is an extremely demanding guy to play for. So that is, that's going to change the wide receivers in itself is the fact that Kale Gundy is going to be on them all day, every day. That is, that is his style. Now you can ask any guy that has played for him. Like he also, he, he is a guy once you're done playing, like he keeps in touch, like he's tremendous at that, but his style is to demand you to get the best out of yourself. Like that's, that's how he goes about it. And when you look at Jeff Levy's offense, it puts a lot more responsibility on the wide receivers because there's a lot more option routes. Right? Meaning where, hey, if you get this coverage, you run this. If you get this coverage, you run that. And that is, there wasn't a ton of that in Lincoln Riley's offense. So that means that these wide receivers are going to have to have a better knowledge base of the route concepts and the offense and what they're doing, but also a better knowledge base of what the defenses are doing because their route depends on what coverage the defense gives them. So they are going to have to be on it pre-snap and then post-snap as the picture changes. And Lebby's offense is all about having answers to everything a defense can do to you built into the base concepts of the offense, right? Which a lot of times, and Lincoln Riley's offense was a little bit like this in a way where it was very game plan specific, right? Hey, what does this team do well? What do they not do well? Let's scheme around that. Lebby likes a little more carryover to where his base concepts can be run no matter what defense you're in. And the adjustments can be made on the fly because the players know the system so well and they recognize what the defense is doing. So that, that prevents you from having to install so many you know, game planning schemes week in and week out. Also, the route tree for these wide receivers, much bigger than what it's been over the last couple of years. So I guess I say all that, Ted, to say there's going to be a lot of ask of this wide receiver group. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, obviously, a lot more going on for those guys, a lot more thinking pre-snap. Uh, they're also going to go way faster than they've ever gone. Uh, so that's going to be a factor. And, you know, I, I got to imagine for Gundy that this, this whole situation for him is, is going to kind of light a fire and give him a renewed energy. You know, he's got familiarity still, but he's got influence over way more guys at, the, at that position group. And I feel like it's going to be a way more collaborative effort offensively than it's ever been. Lincoln, Lincoln kind of showed up and said, this is what we're going to do this week. And everyone just kind of went out there and, and did exactly that. There wasn't a whole lot of influence over what may or may not happen. So I think that's going to be different moving forward. And gosh, I know Kale is really quick to always, um, you know, talk about how smart Lincoln was and, you know, how well-rounded Jeff Lebby is, but Kale's been around 
a ton of great football. He's been a part of a lot of great football. He's coached a lot of great football. He just called some great football in the bowl game. I mean, the fact that we've got Kel Gundy as a wide receivers coach is just – he is way overqualified for that position. The guy could be a head coach in Division One football easy if if he pursued it, definitely a coordinator. So I think that, that position is going to be fun. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of these wide receivers. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery, soft comfort, go to Opolis Clothing. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Let's start this conversation with Marvin Mims. Most proven guy in the group, which naturally makes him a leader on the football team, right? Uh, Going to use him. I think they're going to use him a little differently. I think they're going to use him in multiple ways. He's got one thing that Jeff Levy really, really likes, and that is speed. So, they think they can move him around and they can take advantage of that speed. They think that he is going to have a significant increase in the number of big plays he produces in the passing game, especially with the tempo that they want to play with, whether that's catching defenses off guard or just having those guys be unsure, right? Like one of the main reasons you go tempo is yes, you, you want to be in better shape than the other team and all that stuff, but it, it gives you an advantage mentally. Like it's hard for a defense to get lined up and to get everything communicated when you're going that fast. And that can result in confusion in the back end. It can result in confusion at the second level. You know, who's supposed to pick up crossers, whatnot. Like it, it can lead to a lot of bad things for a defense. And they think that Marvin Mims can expose defenses when they play with tempo, now the, the guy's not getting any bigger, right? He's not getting any taller, but this staff really thinks they can utilize his strengths. He, he's had a really good offseason. He's assumed a leadership role. Um, he, he's added strength. He's faster. And I think after last year, he's, he's motivated to prove he's an elite wide receiver in college football. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things that you'll see and. I don't know if people are going to like hearing this or not, but there's going to be a lot of quick passes like tunnels and bubbles thrown. And 
like the first reaction is, oh my gosh, you know, those, those plays, but it's a little bit different right now because you have an absolute ass kicker in the slot in our tight end groups, whether it's brain Willis, uh, brain Willis or the Parker kid that transferred in, they are destroying guys right there in that spot. And it's turning that play into, you know, what is, you know, typically just a, a four or five yard quick opportunity to get a gain into like, not just an extension of the running game, but an extension of the power running game. It's, it's fun to watch that, that part of that offense work. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a spot that Marvin Mims can catch a lot of balls. I know this, he wants the ball more. He wants some more. And I think, I think Jeff Levy is the man to make that happen for him. Of course, Dylan Gabriel got to play at a high level. And I will say this, the, you know, they're about, about halfway through spring ball. Now Dylan Gabriel is accurate. He is. Like yep. shockingly, I, I would say the staff is not not stunned, but they are extremely pleased with how their starting quarterback is throwing the football. He's smooth too. Oh yeah, he's he's got a like I, and I know this is a a lofty comp, but there's some things that he does that reminds me of Baker, just in a sense, but the way they throw the football is totally different. Baker was kind of, is like kind of a raw power guy and puts like a ton of body into all of his throws. Dylan Gabriel's got like a silky smooth release that looks like he's not putting much effort into it at all. And it's got touch. It's got zip whenever he needs it to. He's got, he's got a nice delivery. Yeah. Okay. Jaleel Farouk. They think this guy can be an absolute dude. Powerful, explosive, strong. I've had multiple members of the staff tell me that he is one of the most talented players on the field. And the on-field performance isn't a concern for him. Where he needs to grow as a player is off the field, taking care of everything he has to take care of. And in the meeting rooms, right? Becoming a real student of the game, right? Understanding everything he needs to understand about the offense and what defenses are doing from a coverage standpoint, from an alignment standpoint, how things change when defenses give you different things. Like that's where he needs to grow. But the staff think that they can get him to an elite level in those areas. And the best thing I've heard about Farouk is that he wants to be pushed. He wants to be held accountable. I'm not sure I'm more excited about another player on offense than I am him. Like I, I think he could have, he could have a big time year and he looks way better wearing number three. I mean, way better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, echo everything that you said about him. And I think all of that is, is very well said. So I don't have a whole lot to add except for this. I think maybe he's got the highest ceiling of all the wide receivers. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I I think he has the, 
he has the opportunity. Like, I think Mims is a really good wide receiver. I think Jalil Farouk has a chance to be a superstar wide receiver. It It's his physical build, right? Mm-hmm. The power in the lower half, like the speed, the explosiveness. He's just, I mean, he's just a bigger guy, right? And as good as Mims is, like, he's just not that big of a dude. Now, we've seen small wide receivers in the National Football League have a ton of success. We've seen some great small wide receivers at OU, but Farouk, when you when you look at the starters they have at wide receiver now, when they're out there on the field with Hint, with Farouk, Mims, and Weiss, the guy that catches your eye is Farouk. There's no doubt. And he's got a that's a superstar wide receiver name, too. It is it an just awesome it name. sounds like a doesn't it? It's it's like the perfect wide receiver name. It's good. It's good. And he's good. Okay, next yep. guy, Theo Weiss. Asked and they say he's back to 100 percent Has looked very good in spring ball. Coach has been really impressed with the way that he's moving, not only from a speed standpoint, but getting in and out of his breaks on on a variety of different routes. Uh, that foot is is looking good. And they're even more impressed with how he's emerging as a leader for this team, right? I, I think that's, a, that's an extremely important part. And the thing that I keep being told about Theo Weiss is that he is, he's locked in and that his di- mentality right now is, is a lot different than years past. And that's good to hear because, I mean, he's got size, he's got talent. He needs to stay healthy, clearly, but it sounds like he's put in all the rehab to get back physically, and he's really improved the mental side of things and kind of his approach. I mean, it's it's really a it's, – it's almost crazy whenever you look at a lot of this wide receiver core, especially, and we'll get into some of the younger guys, but there's almost not too – of the same body types out there. It's almost like they have like the perfect span where every single guy is a different guy. And I think Theo East falls into that category of, of, you know, being the chance to be the big physical wideout that they've got and growing into that spot and, and kind of taking over that role in the offense, because I think there is a huge availability for that spot. Like you could do a lot with a, an overpowering wide receiver. Yeah. There's no doubt. Okay, next guy. I and you that's interesting you mentioned that about body types. I can't remember who told me this. I would give them credit. I just can't remember who told me it. You want your wide receiver core like a basketball team. Right? You yeah. you want you want a port guard type body, you want like a forward type guy, or like a power forward type guy. You want to have a basketball team as a wide receiver group where you know versatile different skill sets good at different things mm-hmm. and yep. I, I think that's what you're what you're alluding to let's talk some drake stoops guy's just gonna play his ass off i know that and he he, he may not give you huge plays in the passing game but he's gonna make some really important plays and he he's just so reliable he's such a he's such a high iq player he's always in the right spot 
right? And he always makes the proper read. He always battles as a blocker when they're running the football. He, he does all the little things that contribute to winning. Does he have the amount of talent that a Farouk or a Mims has? Nope. But with how reliable he is, he's going to be on the field a whole lot for this team. There's no doubt about it. He is, he, he's, I think he's fantastic. You know, um, I can't say enough about him. Like, obviously there's some guys that just physically have way more tools at that position. There's no doubt about it. And everyone knows it, but he has become an expert at working the dangerous part of the field. I mean, that's what he does. He works the dangerous part of the field. He works the middle. He works around the backers and underneath the safeties. And he gets drilled a lot whenever he catches the ball. But he always catches it. And he always gets up with it. And he always makes it over the sideline. He does it again. The dude is tough as nails. I, I wish, you know, I wish we had a ton of Drake Stoops on this football team. And I think we're, I think we're, we're growing the ranks. There's more guys that are that are as locked in and and can do the little things like Drake does uh, so well. I mean that we're starting to become a football team that has more of those guys, which is exactly what you want. Yeah. So those four guys, Mims, Farouk, Weiss, and Stoops are are my you know no doubt that those guys are going to be on the field. Uh, the rest of these guys, I've got three guys in the will they emerge category, and the other two guys I've got just labeled as freshmen. Yeah. So, which is always is always interesting. So, my will they emerge guys are Cody Jackson, Brian Darby, and Trayvon West. And right now, of those guys. I think Trey West has had the best spring and you, you look at the size, right? Six foot, you know, kind of a slider guy at 173, but the guy can fly. I mean, he can absolutely fly. And when you've got speed, typically the coaching staff is going to find a way to get you on the field. But the reason I think, Trey West has put himself up to this point in a better spot than Brian Darby and Cody Jackson is the fact that Trey West is consistent, right? He, he's not hot and cold. They, they know what they're getting from him. And, and he, remember he had some, he had some, you know, flashes last season, but his consistency up to this point in spring ball is what I think is going to get him on the field in the fall. If he continues to build and, you know, progress in the same manner he is, he's going to, he's a guy you're going to see get lots of snaps. Now, Jackson and Darby, I think, I think they're kind of similar with their issues. Like they looked apart the physically, right? You know, especially Darby. I, I like his build. He's definitely got the physical tools. But both of these guys need to prove to the coaches that they can be consistent guys that can be relied upon, snap in and snap out. 
And that's, that's how you earn your way on the field. Like for Darby, he has to give him a reason to put him on the field instead of Marvin Mims or Drake Stoops. So you got to prove a, a really consistent level of being a reliable guy. And I, I think that's the issue right now with Jackson and Darby. I, th- those guys are going to have to solve that to get significant time on the field. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's not always easy to do, but man, we've seen some amazing things from Brian Darby. We know he's got a ton of skills. Uh, you're right. Trayvon West is, is absolutely killing it out there. I mean, you know, here's the one thing I will say is when you go up tempo, you 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 wear out the defense, but you also wear out your skill guys that are running routes up and down the field, left and right, super fast. So my guess is they're going to play quite a few wide receivers. Now, we all remember the days back uh, whenever Baylor would throw the bubble run it out of bounds, and run three new wide receivers seamlessly right back out onto the field, right? Don't know if we're going to be doing any of that, but I imagine that we're going to be rolling through a pretty good group of wide receivers in a given game. Yeah, and I, I've asked that question, and I, I love the answer one of the members of the staff gave me. said, how, how many wide receivers do you think you'll realistically play? The answer was, as many as it takes to win a championship. <laughs> and I was like, all right, okay. So last two guys uh, that are labeled freshmen, well, they're freshmen. And I, I will say this, the staff, they're very, very excited about both of these guys. Uh, Jaden Gibson, you know, at 6'5", 191. I, I think he's going to have himself a role for this football team. And it, he's already gotten so much better just in this, you know, this limited number of spring ball practices. And, and then Nick Anderson, Ted, you and I, we, we talked to the strength staff about this young man, and it sounds like he, he could end up being an absolute freak. Yeah, I, Nick Anderson is a stud. He's got a big frame, and I think he'll put on some weight, uh, you know, in the coming years, like good, Good weight, super explosive. We know he's got the bloodline. Jaden Gibson at, at 6'5". I mean, both guys give you big targets. Um, it's a lot, though. I mean, you talked earlier how much they're putting on these wide receivers. Well, imagine being a freshman walking in there, number one, competing with the group that they've got, number two, trying to pick up this flood of information and have to process it as fast as they do. So it's a lot to ask of those guys, but, man – if you can go up, catch the ball, compete, wide receiver is a place where you can routinely see freshmen play. And I wouldn't be shocked as long as these guys are healthy rolling into the season that they play some type of role. Yep. All right. Let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys, does OU need a go-to wide receiver? And if so, who? Who do you think it's going to be and why? And we, we got a couple of responses. This first one comes from Terry Jones. He said, Mims can be. We Stoops and crew will probably have more catches, not a huge gap in catch numbers. And, and I think that's a good point that Terry's making, Ted, because Jeff Lebby, he, and he's 
talked about this and you can go back and look at the numbers from his previous offenses. Like he wants to spread the football around. Like he thinks that makes it significantly more difficult on the defense to defend you. And I, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I do too. Um, however, if you've got a guy, um, say Jaden Gibson at six, five, just turns into a premier route runner and like just catches everything you throw his way. Like if you've got that type of guy, then sometimes that's the hardest thing to defend is just that type of body type. But I do think that they're going to spread the ball around. Um, here's the thing is I, I almost don't think even if that wasn't their philosophy as an offense, I, I think there's so many capable guys, like it could easily be Mims. We know that, but like, it wouldn't shock me if Jaleel Farouk was the leading receiver uh, this season. It wouldn't shock me if because of his size and everything, if Theo Lee started to really emerge as like a big third down guy and, uh, you know, being physical after the catch and turned into a big wideout. So I, I don't, I don't think they necessarily need one, but, I think they have tons of different guys that could emerge. It's really, it's really a, a, a position group that has a ton of ability and a ton of talent. Yeah. I, I thought this was an interesting response from Matthew Jefferson, who said, this will be like when CD took pressure off of Hollywood Brown, Mims and Farouk are going to go off mix in solid tight ends and some absurd depth at receiver, and it's going to be a great year. Uh, those two guys are pretty good. So yeah. if if Farouk and Mims can turn into CD and Hollywood, uh, yeah, sign me up for that. No doubt. No doubt. Here's, here's what I'll say. I, the, the receivers that have had the best years here typically happens whenever we run the ball the best. And – you look at those years, 17, 18, ran the ball amazingly. Got to get back to that, and I think the wide receivers are going to have a big year. Yeah. All right, let's get to our shout-outs. This first one, Sydney, the Sydney Angle Memorial Softball Tournament needs volunteers. Sydney Angle was a softball player that was killed in the 2013 Moore Tornado. This tournament honors her legacy and help send young women to college. The tournament is April 22nd to 24th. Please text Julie Chase at 405-202-5977. That's 405-202-5977 if you are interested in volunteering. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah, hopefully we can send some volunteers that way. Happy second birthday to Nina Emilia. Happy seventh birthday to Avery Jones. Happy 10th birthday to Jet Ward. Happy 10th birthday to Riley Elcision. And happy 13th birthday to Olivia Elcision. And girls, your mother loves you very much. How about that? Happy 14th birthday to Kasha Brown. Kasha, Kasha Brown? or Kasia? I think I'm going Kasia. Kasia. Yeah, I think you're right. That's why as soon as I said it, I was like, mm, I don't know if I hit that. Happy 14th birthday to Kasia Brown. Happy 25th birthday to Mason McCauley. 
Happy 27th birthday to Jack JTZ Todd. Congrats on the birth of Rustin Weininger. Happy 38th birthday to Aaron Allen. Happy 52nd birthday to Honey Fries. <laughs> Happy 72nd birthday to Jane McCauley. All right, let's talk some masters with Eddie Radosvich. But first, attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Yeah, you do. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence, with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join, and as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School at visit BMCHS. Dot org financial aid is available. All right, here he is. Here's Eddie Radosovich. It is our pleasure to be joined by the face of Soonerscoop.com. You can also catch him on the franchise morning show. Eddie Radosovich is in the house. What's going on, Eddie Rado? Fellas, what's going on? I, uh, I I got the Opolis hat too. I wanted to. Uh, oh yes, placement this thing. So uh, did yeah, you use the I, uh, promo code Ted T E D? Well, I did, and but the weird thing is, I did it a year ago. So like, uh, I, I didn't even know. I I was before you guys, but I still got the <laughs> discount because I mentioned you guys. There awesome. you go. That'll okay. There, there's a lot to talk about. We absolutely. You are our master's preview man. We had you on last year to do it, and I was like, "Damn it, we're doing it again." Because a lot it was of so pressure. much fun last year. Let's start here because I know I know we're going to talk a lot of Tiger Woods between you two. What did you think of Matsuyama's Champions Dinner menu? Right, we had some su- sushi, sashimi, nigiri chicken skewers to get things started off black cod and wagyu beef as the entree strawberry shortcake as dessert how'd you feel about his selections i mean i thought it was pretty strong i you know i i feel like dj is a really picky eater and he kind of signed off on everything so if it's good for those guys it's probably good for me and like i mean wagyu i you can't beat that i don't really know a whole lot about like the particulars of the sushi but if they're making it at Augusta, I can't imagine that it's going to be bad. For that group, it's probably caught, thrown in a helicopter, and flown directly to Augusta. Uh, I imagine with as much as they're forking over for that dinner. I, I think it's like the perfect dinner. It checks pretty much every box as long as you get some good, some good beverages there. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, they got that wine cellar down in the uh, the bottom of the basement at the uh, clubhouse, or the, uh, yeah, I think in the clubhouse. So, I mean, you can't go wrong. Or I, it might be in, like, the cabins alongside 10. I can't remember, but uh, I know Rory always talks about it. It, it. it couldn't have been bad. I Yeah, I don't think that they're catching the fish, like, over in Ray's Creek and uh, and bringing <laughs> it in. But that would be kind of cool. What What's your, if you had the dinner, what, what are you serving up? I talked about this this morning. It's like, do you have to have some type of like Oklahoma flair, don't you? Like, I, I know that somebody threw out Johnny's uh, charcoal boiler burgers as, fried as like an appetizer. Maybe some Aishan's fried chicken. Uh, you know, I, maybe even have Ray's from Norman uh, cater some barbecue out there. It would have to have some type of Oklahoma flair, though, uh, to, I don't know, bring everybody together. But I think they still cook everything like at Augusta. You can bring in your own people. You just have to have it made there. Uh, so, I mean, maybe some, some type of Brahms ice cream at the end, no sir, soft serve according to, uh, Ethan Downs, but, uh, I mean, it, it would have to be something like steak though, would probably, if you're going just flat, like, you know, run of the mill dinner, nothing would be better than like a steak and a baked potato and, you know, a Caesar salad or something. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Keep uh, it simple. Uh, all right. Let, let, let's get to it, man. Best week of the year. Tiger Woods is going to give it a go. It's unbelievable. I mean, how exciting is this, dude? I mean, I I talked to Kyle Porter uh, this morning and just the buzz and anything that we saw on Twitter, you know, whether the the, the people that were out there on Monday or, you know, the the live from stuff that's been on the Golf Channel, uh, you know, every night since Sunday. It's just the vibes out there on Monday that literally those pictures looked like a Sunday afternoon at Augusta. And, you know, I, I think that it, it was kind of like the world's worst uh, secret in a way that he was going to play. I think when he made the trip up to uh, Augusta last week with Charlie and played and hit balls with uh, JT, I think everybody kind of knew, but I mean, just the fact that this guy like literally almost died in a uh, car wreck almost 400 days ago. And now he's going to be teeing it up on Thursday at the masters is, is unbelievable. But you know, with, like with that said, it's like, you start wrestling with realistic expectations of what can he actually do this week? And, you know, I do think that it's not ironic. It, it, it's almost planned that it had to be Augusta that he was going to make the comeback, or at least that he was going to be playing. If he was playing, had to play Southern Hills this week. I don't think he would play. I don't think he could play at Brookline, like courses that he doesn't have just a superb amount of knowledge from. And obviously haven't won there five times. Uh, you know, he knows, he doesn't have to exert himself, I, I guess would probably be the best way to say it. He knows exactly where to miss or where to place the ball. He knows how to move the ball. He knows, you know, every green like the back of his hand. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Like, I, I keep telling myself, like, have low expectations. Just be thankful he's alive, A. Be, just be thankful that he's playing B. Uh, but, like, I think he's going to make the cut at least. I mean, if there's anybody that can do this, and then when you hear, like, Billy Horschel was out there on Sunday watching him hit balls and he played with Fred Couples. And I think uh, Cam Davis played a couple holes with him on Monday. Uh, like every, like, I don't think he'd go there to embarrass himself. I know that you guys probably would agree with that. And uh, he knows, he knows how to place the ball around there. And I mean, it would just be something if he could, you know, not only make the cup being, being contention this, this week, but I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that he's even out there and, you know, you see like his ball speed still at 170 or in the mid one seventies. Uh, that's like kind of sort of right around where Patrick Cantlay is. I think he's like 176. So, 
um, you know, the tougher that it is on Thursday and Friday, I think would benefit Tiger. So I would imagine he wants the wind to blow as much as possible. And he kind of got a fit. I don't know. It depends. Like Friday afternoon, the wind's supposed to blow. But Thursday morning, if he can take advantage of what is going to be an extremely, uh, you know, I would imagine soft golf course. Uh, who knows? I mean, maybe he could run into a couple birdies and all of a sudden, if he just stays right around uh, even par, I think he'll have a chance at least going into the weekend. Just building on that a little bit more. Right, what have you heard? Because it sounds like, like not only it, like like for him, the biggest worry was not his golf. Yeah, it was just being able to make it around the course for seventy-two holes, and all that comes with that, uh, with the leg, with the back, and all of that. But according to him, which is rare that he claims he's hitting the ball really well, he says he's hitting it well, and it sounds like the people that have played with him or seen him are kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible. Like I think a lot of people were surprised when he, uh, you know, made like the PNC debut with Charlie and did the father son thing out in December. And I mean, he looked pretty good. He obviously, he was in a cart most of the time and, you know, Charlie was hitting a lot of shots because they were getting closer to the green off of tiger's drives or Charlie's drives. Uh, but he hit the ball pretty well in December and to make the, leaps that he's made here over the last couple of months. And then like, I don't think that Fred couples or Horschel or any of the guys that have seen him hit the balls. And I think even uh, a bunch of riders followed him around during the practice rounds said that, you know, he didn't miss a whole lot of shots. Uh, you know, I think mentally that's going to be something kind of interesting to just see where he is as far as, uh, you know, working his way around the course. But again, it's like, it's a place that he could probably play in his sleep. I don't think that he's going to miss a whole lot of uh, shots as far as just big misses and big numbers. Like Tiger, even when he was, you know, quote unquote struggling, uh, was still really competitive when it came to Augusta and was still really competitive because he knows how to get around uh, the, the course. And, you know, I, I think that kind of one of the cliche lines there is obviously it's a, a second shot course. And you look at the numbers. I mean, 21 starts, 14 top tens, five green jackets, obviously. Uh, it, it, he's never missed a cut at Augusta. So he's hitting the ball. I mean, I like, I'd put it this way. It's almost one of those things with some of the players and how they've talked about him. I think that they've almost gone out of their way to say how well he's hit the ball. And if he wasn't hitting the ball, well, I think it would be more of uh, we're just happy. He's here. He's, he's, you know, we don't know what to expect, but we're never going to doubt him. But ultimately we're just happy that he's here. And it, you know, there you hear some of those guys talking the way that they've uh, and JT's even alluded to some stuff, having played there last week with them. It's like I think that he feels like he truly can contend. And you know, what is that number going to be? I I truly don't know. Just because there are so many guys that have a chance, it feels like this is one of the first Masters in you know quite some time that almost every you know I, I would say that it's as wide open as possible. As, as much as it's been here over the last couple of years. And I think that's obviously because there's so many guys and so many young guys, uh, you know, that obviously have a chance that we can get into. But the Tiger thing is just, it's going to be, it's going to be a festival on Thursday and Friday. And obviously if he could just get to the weekend, I mean, I, I, it would be, it would be incredible. I, those, the Monday groupings out there, the Monday, like following him, I, I talked to somebody that was out there on Monday and they talked to Mike Thomas, who was playing, uh, you know, Justin Thomas's dad, who was playing with Tiger. And he said that Mike Thomas 
had to go four teeth, four basically holes up just to be able to see a sun, basically, because the groups were in the, and the, the patrons were so thick on the groups that were following them. So it's insane. I, I mean, I, it truly is insane. I, I don't know if there's anything like, you know, obviously the stuff that he's come back from before was just so different than, you know, basically almost losing your leg in a, uh, in a car accident, you know, literally just over a year ago. So uh, it's insane. I, 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 I'm not doubting him. I mean, obviously I'm fanboying, fanboying like 2.0 as far as Tiger Woods comes. And I would like give up a lot of very valuable possessions to be able to see him play four rounds at Augusta this weekend. But um, I don't know. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think anyone's getting anything done on Thursday and Friday. No. <laughs> and if you make it no. to the weekend, you can forget about it. We're, we're all going to be watching golf. Okay. You, you mentioned how this feels kind of wide open, like looking at the betting odds, right? Yeah. You've got, you got Rahm at 11 to one JT 12 to one Cam Smith, 14 to one uh, Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler, 16 to one Rory and Hovland, 18 to one. Kepka, Spieth, Shoffley, 20 to 1, Morikawa, 22 to 1. Uh, then you got Tiger out at 40 to 1. Also, defending champ Hideki Matsuyama at 40 to 1. Just with those favorites in mind, like who who are who are a couple of the favorites you really you really like to play well this week at Augusta? I mean, it's just so crazy too, talking about like just how many guys you just listed. Like I, you, you could make an argument. And I think that there's a lot of people in the golf world that can make an argument for, you know, each one of those guys, just because there's experience there for a bunch of those guys. I mean, we're talking about like Jordan Spieth. This is his ninth masters. Roy McIlroy. This is going to be his 14th or 15th masters. I mean, we we're talking about some of the younger guys are some of the older guys now. And obviously you, you get a guy like a Cam Smith who had the first four rounds in the sixties a year ago. Uh, you know, he's played really well at Augusta. He's come in, he's the players champion. He's coming off the last time that we saw him playing. Uh, he was winning the, winning the players and doing it in a pretty impressive fashion. He can really get it rolling. Uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler's won three times this year and he's the number one player in the world. And it's like, I just don't know if I can trust him because he's only played there twice albeit both of those times he's been top 20. Uh, I love what Spieth is doing right now. It's kind of weird to say, like, looking up, and he talked about it, I think, on Tuesday during his press conference, just as far as it's kind of weird to say he's only won it once uh, because he has played so well there in, in recent memory. Uh, obviously, you know, it felt like he was, if he makes anything a year ago, uh, he probably takes down Matsuyama as well as Hideki played. Uh, he he lost seven strokes around the green last week at the Valero. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about the way that he's putting. It seems like he's hitting the ball extremely well, all things considered. I mean, if he loses seven on the uh, on the green a week ago and you still look at how he finished, it was almost unbelievable. Like that just doesn't happen. Uh, so I like where Jordan's at. He's been up and down. It's been a little inconsistent, but you know, I was listening to a podcast that some of the no laying up guys, they had uh, John Wood on. He's a caddy. He's caddied at the masters, uh, for I think 20 times was the number. And it basically was saying like, you know, there's so many people that put, how are you playing coming into the masters? And is that an important thing? And he kind of leaned towards the side that it isn't. And maybe that just kind of validated what I wanted to believe. And I want to think that Jordan's going to be the guy this week. 
so I don't think form is as important as what you've done in recent memory or recent history there. And, you know, you can't complain with what Jordan Spieth has done. Rory's just such a weird situation. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see, like, if, if, if I could pick anybody outside of Tiger this week, Rory might be that guy just because I love the guy. I think he's great for the golf. I think he's great for the game. He's great for the sport. He's a great ambassador. But just some of the stuff that he's been saying, uh, like, I just don't know, like, and of course, this would be like the, the final last call is, of things that I'll say as far as Rory, and then he'll go on and win by 10 strokes this week. But I just don't know if like that fire is there anymore. Like the guy that I, I think a lot, a lot of, of talk people, about like family. Yeah, like, like time you're too focused. What's what what's the most important in life? It's so weird. Like I I it's want him to be really excuses good. is what it is. Right. Yeah. Isn't that what that is? It, it it's 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 almost like he's reserved to this fact that the masters is this white whale that he's never going to get to. And all of a sudden you look up and the guy is, I, th I think he has, he leads the masters over the last decade in top tens. I think he's had six top tens in the last uh, 10 years at the masters. And it's just the first round. Like it's the first round in all these majors that has given him so many problems. He's I think averaged 32nd after the first round on Thursday at Augusta. And you look up and he shoots, you know, 71, 65 on the weekend into a top 10. So he just has to figure out a way. It's like, you know, since since he hit it on uh, si since he hit it way left on, uh, I think that was what 13. Would that have been. Yeah. Or well, 10 to start his back nine when he had the six six stroke oh, lead. Yeah. Uh, and those like those cabins, I think I told you guys last year. <laughs> no one even knew they were there. So far left. Like <laughs> you have to take an Uber, basically off the property to get to those things or to the front door of those things. It's, it's unreal. Uh, so I remember I mean, watching I would, that go, Oh damn. I didn't know there was houses on there. That's it's interesting. It, it was insane. Like I, I don't know how somebody loses that far left. So I'd love to see Rory. I just don't know if I can trust the guy. Uh, and then, you know, like the other kind of quote unquote favor that I feel like is going under the radar this week is Brooks Kepka, who like oddly in some strange way, I feel like nobody is talking about this week. And all he's done since 2016 is this is what he leads the tour or the professional golfing in since 2016 in majors. He's first in score to par birdies are better rounds in the 60s scoring average rounds led or co-led strokes gained and wins. And obviously the four wins. I mean, it's, it's incredible what he does. I think Brandel Chambly on live from one night said that he's won 14% of the majors he's played in as opposed to 6% of the tournaments that he's played in just uh, normal tournaments. The guy, when the majors come around is absolutely unbelievable. He will be there uh, despite what he did a year ago. And he missed the cut last year was weird with Dustin missing the cut. Brooks missed the cut, obviously, like the big names just weren't around for the weekend. And I think a little bit of it had to do with uh, kind of the weather interruptions that they had to battle throughout. So um, it'll be interesting. I like I, I love Jordan. I love Brooks. Justin Thomas is coming in well in form. Uh, it seems like, you know, JT's moving the ball just about as well as anybody. And that's what you got to do at Augusta. So uh, those guys are close. John Rahm's close. You know, Scotty Scheffler is such an interesting character just because he's playing so well. I just like he's like the kind of the sexy pick because he's playing so well. Because So I kind of generally like to kind of fade somebody like that and almost Cam Smith in the same manner. So I don't know. I, I like those kind of like those those top ranked guys. And then 
you kind of start working your way down the list of guys that just play well when they get there. Patrick Cantley seems to do. Xander Schauffele seems to do. He was right on the cusp of uh, breaking through a year ago. So, uh, you know, those are kind of the favorite favorites that I like. I just like, it seems like for the Masters, you can't go like, and Matsuyama might be one of those guys that kind of completely went against the grain last year. But uh, I think five of the last seven winners have uh, been top five in strokes gained on tour. So you might look there if you're doing a little bit of last minute cramming as far as guys that you might like going in. I know Hideki led the uh, tour last year in strokes gained. So uh, it's going to be interesting, though. I mean, because it is so, so wide open. And then you have John Rahm and it's like, you know, a month ago, John Rahm was playing the best golf out of anybody in the world. And he was doing that for basically the last, you know, maybe calendar year, complete year, especially the way that he played uh, to end the season last year. So uh, it's going to be exciting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked. It's, it's more than you can ask for. And it seems like this year, truly with like the patrons all being back, everybody uh, not, you know, having to do any kind of COVID protocol or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's awesome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It feels like it's building up for something crazy. Before I want to hear you talk a little bit more about Justin Thomas, I have to go back. Is Did I sense some Jordan Spieth fandom coming in? And how in the hell is that possible? <laughs> the most annoying brat on the entire he tour, I know. a Texas guy. How, what's going on? I thought I would even it out by uh, fading Scotty Scheffler. There's just so many of them out there. <laughs> them and OSU guys. Uh, I, you know, I guess Oklahoma has Abe though, but I like Spieth. I have a soft spot for him. I don't know why. I feel like he's a normal person. I know some people that have like run into him in Dallas that, that a like normal him. person. Yeah. I mean, I grew now, up on a, I, in a I ran club. in, I ran into him at, at this golf course in Maui and he was pushing his kid in a Duna and I was pushing my kid in a Duna and we had a little conversation about Dunas. Like it's this little stroller car seat thing. And I it, will say like the, he was the, fine, stuff Teddy. With, the stuff with Greller is painful. Like stab me. I can't listen to it. I enjoy like when they have those guys mic'd up, but like the back and forth of like, and, and like counting him in on the team. I, I think the masters.com wrote a story this week about like Greller's really focused this week and he knows his lines and it's like, okay, I, I, I know the caddy's important, but that's a little much. So that, that is a little much. I get it with Jordan. Uh, but like, I mean, I guess he's the best of like evil. I don't know. 
Isn't there like that, like keep your enemies close type of thing? I want him to, I want him to play well on, I was going to say Thursday, Friday, maybe Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, just because I want to get in 16, a, the most epic meltdown of all time, him running around, <laughs> arguing with this caddy, asking for more time, hopping up and down to try and get a glimpse of the flag. Uh, I, I cannot stand that. He dude. is, he is mental. Like in that, if things go poorly, uh, he is usually quite the show to watch. And it's going to be interesting. Like as many, as much changes as they made to the course this year, you know, with 11 and the taking the trees out on the right side, 15's lengthened, which is with the wind that they could have on Wait, Friday and Saturday. Is gonna be they interesting. took the trees out on the right side on 11. Well, they, off the fairway, like it, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like there, they, there, there was a row of three trees on the right side that kind of protected because they they figured like they don't want you to bail out right because they thought that you know it was going to be too easy of a par you chip out and then you can get up and down on the right side it's it's a little bit more strategic they moved the tee box on 11 over so it's like more of a uh i guess what would be kind of a straight shoot down 11 and then you're gonna have to work the ball like kind of off the tree and i think that they evened out the the cup, uh, or not the cup, but like the 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 side ridge on eleven green. So it, I mean, That's it's still five twenty. It's, it's awesome. It yeah. is awesome. Like that that the ten any of the back nine, and I think it's because there's so much history on every damn hole over there. Uh, you can just you can literally spend an entire afternoon just walking and looking at each hole. Ten is just one of the most amazing walks in golf. You're like walking almost. It feels like into this like Narnia and then 11 is a beautiful hole. And then like, you know, obviously aiming corner with 11 and 12 and 13. And it's just like, you can sit up on that Hill and there's a concession stand there and get blue moons or whatever beers you want and just sit up there on that Hill and just watch almost everything with the second shot coming into 11. And then, you know, obviously 12 and then uh, the T box on 13 and like 13 is going to be kind of interesting. 15, they lengthened this year. Uh, and it's like only 20 yards, but the way that those guys were talking this week and if the wind is, uh, playing back into the player's face, like 20 yards is a big deal for a lot of those guys, because that's the difference between a five wood and maybe a, a, a high iron or, uh, you know, having to decide, am I going to go for it with a five wood into that green? That is just kind of almost like a, a, it's basically an Island green without being an Island green because of the runoff on the backside. So there's so many, so much like different strategy, and then they push back the 18 T box a little bit too. It's it's gonna be really interesting to see. I don't think it's gonna be like a complete change in how they play by any means, but uh, I think that there is gonna be a little bit more strategy going into 15. I don't think you're gonna see as many guys uh, just trying to bomb it in there. It's so weird, and I know you've been there, but I've never been there. The closest for me being there is playing it on the old Tiger Woods golf. Sure. But it, isn't it amazing? I, I know every hole on that golf course. Yeah. And I've never been there. And I know like it's not like I'm the only one. There's millions of people. It's the strangest thing ever that everyone knows that golf course like front it, to back. It truly is amazing. And I, I think probably because of the, you know, the tournament's obviously played there every year. You watch the highlights every year they come up. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's like kind of one of the more interesting things about it is because everybody does know uh, exactly like kind of where you need to hit it. Like everybody kind of does know, uh, you know, you need to, you know, 
take advantage There's of no the There's no other fives. golf course in the world where if someone asks you, like, what's happening, if you say that Rory's in the trees on 10, like, that everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. There's no other course in the world. Absolutely. Awesome. And I, I, I think that, you know, I, that's one of the reasons why it's kind of like a, uh, you know, a bucket list place for everybody that loves the sport, just because uh, there is a mystique that surrounds the place. You know, when you walk in, there's a mystique. It's just it, there's something special about it. And I think that, you know, it, I was listening to uh, I think it was Ben Crenshaw talking about just putting in general out there. And everybody kind of knows the lay of the land like they don't have the, the green books, obviously, but everybody knows like, you know, where things for the most part break on the greens just because you watch so many guys play that uh, the tournament from year to year. And so many guys have the same putts because there are certain places that you have to put the golf ball. And in comparison to greens that we see on the regular week to week PGA tour, it's like most of the guys are going to be able to to putt just about everything. Uh, if they get it on the green on a regular PGA tour event, uh, you'll have differences in the U S open and that kind of stuff. But at the masters and at Augusta, if you don't place it in certain spots or if you lose it and you put it on a bad spot of the green, you're hoping to just get that first putt close enough to not three putt or to not four putt uh, because of the drastic undulations out there. And that's the kind of the cool part about it. Uh, you know, obviously the tradition that goes into it and it's going to be, it, it, it always comes down to who's going to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the imagination around the greens, what you're doing on par fives and just not making the big mistake. And, uh, you know, I think that's why, you know, from year to year, there's just certain guys, whether it be a speed, whether it be a tiger, uh, you know, Justin Rose is like a, a weird kind of example of somebody that it seems like it doesn't matter how poorly he's playing going into it. Uh, but I think him it's, it's Jack tiger and Justin Rose with 50 plus rounds that have the lowest scoring average. And I think it's right around even par. And I mean, you look at the last five years for Justin Rose, 2017, second, 2018 tied 12th, 19, he missed the cut 2020 tied 23rd and 2021. He had, he, uh, last year he got in, he finished top 10, he finished seventh. And that was after the 65 in the first round. He just plays that place well. Uh, five top tens over, the, I think, the last 10 years. He was on the same list that Rory was. So he's like 100 to 1 going in. I know that if we wanted to get into, like, sleepers going into this week, he might be somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, who – what other sleepers? I mean, guys over 50 to 1. You know, what, yeah. what are a couple of the other guys you like? Well, I mean – if you want to start, I was going to start at a 40 to one. Oh, I love I'm shocked. What, I love what Corey Connors is doing. I think Corey Connors, he's coming off of a top 10 the last two years. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of experience. This is going to be his fifth major or fifth masters rather, but he played really well over the last couple of years. He shot 73, 69, 68, and then blew up on Sunday, shot 74. He was in contention though. He's a guy that uh, is also coming in. Uh, as far as form goes, I think he had a top 15 at the Arnie tournament uh, back in January or February. Uh, he tied 26th at the players. He's coming off a third place finish at the uh, World Golf Championship uh, down in Austin, the match play stuff. So he's playing well. He's making birdies. Uh, he's a guy that can get hot. And it seems like, you know, every once in a while, you got to get a little Canadian love in there. Uh, so I, I kind of like Corey Connors. 
I think I'm going to place a, a side wager on him uh, going into it. I'm going to have him on some of my fantasy teams. Uh, Shane Lowry's kind of a sexy, uh, I, I guess, long shot, if we're going to call it that. I think he's like 40 to 1 uh, as of uh, Wednesday night. Uh, but top 25s the last two years. He obviously, he's won a major championship before in the 2019 uh, British Open at World Portmouth uh, or Port Rush. So it's, I kind of like Shane Lowry. It seems like he's a guy that is going to eventually get back into major contention. He's playing extremely well. He got a second at the Honda, a, thir- a tied 13th at the player, tied 12th at the Valspar. Uh, and then I, he didn't play very well. He was in a tough group with Brooks a week ago at the, uh, at the match play or two weeks ago at the match play. Uh, but I kind of like where he's standing and, you know, I guess if you, if you want to call him a long shot, he's a first timer, but he's an Oklahoma and Taylor Gooch is playing well. It seems like he's a guy that, uh, could maybe make some noise, uh, going into a major. It seems like he's kind of on that precipice of, of really kind of asserting himself on the tour. And, you know, I, he's, he's played well. He had a top 10, I think he tied seventh, the Arnie, uh, Arnold Palmer, uh, invitational. So. We'll see. I mean, I, I kind of like Taylor. He's, uh, I'll be cheering for him just because I have some buddies that are friends with him. He's 100 to 1, uh, but wouldn't be that bad of like a true long shot in terms of guys that are making uh, kind of their maiden voyage over there. I think he got in trouble on uh, Tuesday for wearing shorts on the practice screen. They like made him go in and change. So, Love uh, that. yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like, I, I, I like, like that me guy. on a golf course. I, I like Taylor Gooch. I, I could, yeah. uh, Put a few shekels on Gooch, hundred to one. You kidding me? Why not? He's awesome. I'm thinking because I did. uh, I text him a couple of important tips today about making the rounds around the Masters. So because of that, I feel like he's a guaranteed top ten. I love the guy. It it would be fun, and I I think like just getting some Oklahoma flair in there would be a lot of fun. Like Victor Hovland's obviously the most the I guess has the connection to Oklahoma with his Oklahoma State ties, but. Uh, I just, he's like another one of those guys. He's, I think 20 or 25, 30 to one going into this weekend. He's obviously played well at the beginning of the season, uh, but he just hasn't gotten over that mat, that, that major hump. And I think that this is, you know, he, he was the, he was the master's amateur, uh, low amateur, uh, his first year, but you know, you're only beating a handful of guys. I'm not taking that away from him, but I just like the, the chipping, is he gives away so many strokes around the green. And I just, I don't know if I can trust him, but then again, I mean, he has the Oklahoma ties. Uh, he's, I think he's made eight starts in majors and he's never finished lower than 35th. So he has something. I mean, obviously he's going to get through at some point. I think he's going to be a, big, a major winner. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be this week. I, it, it seems like he would be like, that would be kind of one of those guys that, he would have to chip the ball extremely, extremely well. And, you know, I think some things would have to come together for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Who's going to be the guy this year that shoots, that we've really never heard of, shoots 65 on Thursday, never to be seen or heard from again the rest of the, uh, the tournament? I feel like that happens every year. That's a good question. Let me pull up. I mean, kind of like the, the Will Zalatoris of last year. Is that kind of like the, the feel of, of what you're thinking? Like, I certainly mm-hmm. don't think Zalatoris is going to uh, be that, although he is playing pretty well going into this weekend. Um, Rob McIntyre is a lefty from Ireland that would be kind of a fun experience. <laughs> I think people kind of know about him. Tom Hoagie is another like Tommy Tables is, I think, his nickname by a lot of people out there. Uh, the, I guess he likes to, if he's in contention, he has an affinity for uh, like going and really hitting the uh, poker tables hard the night before he's when he is in contention. Yeah, which is weird. he's an Alabama guy, I believe. Uh, I like that. Christian Bezin. I'm sure who, you can find a game around there over at the cabin. Oh, there's no doubt that there's going to be some <laughs> gambling going on in Augusta this week. Uh, you know, Stuart Hagestad is a guy that plays as an amateur. And it seems like he's, I think he's made more starts than Sam Burns has in a major. Uh, he, he's a, like a, an amateur legend. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to win by any means, but I don't think that that would be a, like a bad long shot guy. Sun JM's kind of a guy that's in there. Sepp Straka is playing really good golf right now. Uh, I, you know, he, he's coming off of a win early this What's season. What's the guy's name that when they don't have an even number, Jeff Knox. Yeah, Marker. He he usually plays great, right? Yeah, yeah. He'll be on call this week. He'll be on call. Cool. Uh, He's a member out there, and he's like he's a badass. Like he will beat the guy whoever he plays with, uh, because he's kind of like I, you know, not relating him to Tiger, but he knows everything about the course, and he knows where I, you know, he's not gonna fire after a bunch of. You got to be patient out there. Uh, Rory had a comment on Tuesday talking about he played with DJ in uh 2017 when or uh, 2018 when dj won and he uh, dustin johnson was 12 under through 36 holes and rory made the comment was like he basically bored me to death he didn't take any chances he just sat there took his birdies took his eagles when he had an opportunity on par fives and like that adds up and then you run in a couple birdies here and there and all of a sudden you're 12 under so you got to be patient out there and uh you know that's not that that obviously not Jeff Knox isn't going to be able to do that, but uh, I love Noxie. I love when he gets the cool. I love when he gets the call out there. All See, right. Who, Kim's another guy. He broke. Okay. Remember, he broke his uh, putter last year and then had the real awkward white guy handshake with uh, Charles Schwartzel. <laughs> uh, I don't particularly I wouldn't enjoy if he won. Like, I don't have really any real connection to him, but I know that he's a guy that a lot of people have like kind of thrown out there as uh, you know somebody that they wouldn't be surprised if he ended up winning or was in contention okay who is who is your lock to finish top five if you could only pick one guy who you take i mean i'm worried teddy's gonna jump through here i mean do it probably jordan (laughs) spieth i I just Uh. think that he plays so well out there uh his numbers are a little bit concerning 
but he he makes so many putts out there and he has such a good knowledge like there's some people that when they arrive on magnolia lane uh it just evokes something and Spee's just kind of one of those guys like he just he is consistently within contention he's consistently putting his name out there as a guy that uh will give himself an opportunity come sunday and again it's just like it's it's kind of weird to say he's only won once and it feels like he's building towards something or at least having a decent year i know the, the like the metrics probably wouldn't tell you that but he plays well there and then you know if he's 1a brooks kepka's 1b i i think that you know kepka it's only a matter of time before he breaks through as far as a masters goes and you know it just like the numbers that he puts up when playing in a major are it's just insane. He takes it to another level. He's playing pretty well, all things considered. Like he's had a good year to date. And uh, it just seems like he's kind of coasting into this. Like there's, it's, it's interesting because Tigers and rightfully so has commanded such headlines this week that it's a lot of kind of, you know, the, the in-house names that would normally be up there it almost feels like aren't getting a whole lot of attention in a way, which is kind of weird. Like they are, but like the story of the week is tiger one, a one B one C one D one, you know, E. And then you start working into the other guys and how they're going to do. I think tiger just like the whole situation about, you know, game day decision and all of that stuff. Has he already won this year's social oh, media yeah. challenge? Is oh, yeah. it already over? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just cancel I mean, it. <laughs> I, th- I think just showing up, like he he knew exactly what. He, like I wouldn't say that the trip with Charlie was like for the pip, but I mean it's not even close. He's gonna win. I like the only thing that I guess could upstage this. I was joking with uh, Kyle Porter this morning about it. Is like Phil Mickelson like parachuting in with the Saudis. <laughs> on thursday morning like that's the only thing that could top this uh and i don't think that that's going to happen because fred Lidley, ridley probably have him shot out of the sky so uh it's tiger's world man I, and I, like rightfully so it, it's going to be amazing i just and like this is like the small part of me that like is always pessimistic about stuff like this i just hope that it goes how I want it to go. And I hope that he plays really well. I hope we don't look up on, you know, Thursday afternoon and he's seven over through five. And it's like, well, this kind of sucks. I just like perspective is everything this week with him. And it's just hard to like, when you hear everybody talking about how well he's hitting the ball and know how well he plays out there. It's like, just give us one more show. I, I just want one more show from Tiger. I know, and I said that in 2019. I know, and yeah. I got greedy. And here we are. <laughs> I know, but it's like, it, it's just, I like, that's why he's the needle. That's why you saw what we saw on Monday. That's why he is the headline grabber, like, of anything that's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to be, what did Tiger do? And uh, I can't imagine the numbers that ESPN Plus is going to do at 943 in the morning. I can't imagine the numbers if, uh, you know, obviously if he gets through to the weekend and what CBS is able to do, uh, just having him there simply is going to be amazing. And, uh, you know, I think he got a good draw. I feel bad for the guys. I like, I feel bad for jo- uh, Joaquin Neiman that has to play with him because those crowds are just going to be insane on Thursday morning. 
but you know, if it, it, like, here I go again, like I, I keep saying perspective and stay realistic, but it's like, there is just like this whole part of me that feels like if the wind blows and it does get tough out there, uh, tiger has a good shot as, as anybody, uh, you know, not just to get to the weekend, but maybe contend for this thing just because he knows about the course so, so well, and he knows where to leave the ball. He knows he can get away with some stuff and he knows that, you know, if, if it's, if, if the, if the, the course is as wet as we think it's going to be uh, with as much rain as they've gotten on Tuesday when there was tor- torrential downpours. And then, you know, periodically Wednesday. And now I think it was even raining uh, as we're taping this on Wednesday night. He won't have to be as aggressive. He can go after pins and uh, kind of, kind of live with everything. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited. It's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's and- going to be great. Uh, you're the man, Eddie. Uh, we always Absolutely. have so much Anytime. fun. We always Anytime. have so much fun with you, man. Uh, appreciate it. It's going to be good. I, I'm telling you guys, I, I, I told, uh, I think Teddy the other day, it's like, went out to practice. Uh, first off, just being out at practice has been incredible. I don't know what to do with myself. I have so much video <laughs> files of like footage of, of B-roll of practice of uh, spring ball. It's crazy. But like they were tackling people. It was crazy. <laughs> it's weird right it they're was, playing it football was, it was crazy. nuts it was nuts but it's exciting no i appreciate it anytime oh man i hope tiger makes it to the weekend let's go not not any big buildup or anything right it's not like anyone's going to be watching but uh i i just because of you know the covid stuff and i don't know if it, it feels for whatever reason like the, it's the first masters we've had in a long time and there's a bunch of buildup for a bunch of different reasons. It's really cool. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I think you have to go with NFL wide receivers, don't you? Whew. Big money. Big Diggs. money. Diggs getting paid over $100 million. Uh, Metcalf getting a, a, a massive contract. And more to follow. Um, looks like Debo Samuel's in line to get something really big. Here's what's interesting, man. We saw quarterbacks absolutely break the bank, right? And wide receivers are – the numbers are getting pushed up to these ridiculous numbers. And it's, it's all about the passing game and continues to be in the NFL. If you're throwing it, if you're catching it, if you're blocking for the guy throwing it and on the defensive side, if you're covering or if you're rushing, I mean, that's where all of the money is really focused on in the NFL and the numbers just continue to get absurd. I'm happy for them. Me too. Good for, good for them. Right? Here's my only, here's my only problem though. Okay. I wish the NFL, because they always talk about, well, I think the players, I don't know, they get something like 60, 65% of the overall revenue in the NFL. That's how they set the salary cap, right? Well, when the salary cap goes up, it goes to the same guy on every team. It goes to the quarterback. Like, no one else gets to share in it. You've got a, a small handful of guys, quarterback, a wide out, obviously, a tackle, corner. There's like five guys that make all the money. And then the other 45 
I make the league minimum. It's crazy. It's starting. It's starting to turn into the NBA. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You, I just you got your max contract guys and yeah. everyone else. You know, I guess, Hey, that's, that's the game. And that's where, that's where they're, they're putting it. So I guess there's not a whole lot you can do about it, but quit having your NFL PA meetings and talking about how much more share of the money the players are getting, because that all is going to 32 guys, the quarterbacks. Yeah, that's, that's how it's working. But yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned with Tyreek Hill, what he got, Woo. you've got Diggs out in Buffalo, Metcalf. Yeah. Those, those wide receivers are starting to get paid mm. tight ends to follows what they're saying. That, that is what they are saying. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Speaking of NBA uh, and those payroll numbers, how about the Lakers? Ooh, just brutal. You know, it's got to hurt to have, you know, what a lot of people consider to be one of the greats of all time. Some say the greatest of all time in LeBron James. You've got uh, a ton of star power there. You've got what? A hundred and thirty plus million dollars in just those three guys alone on your roster and you don't make the playoffs. And I've never seen a team trolled as hard as the Lakers are for not, for not making the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? That's, it has to be one of the, right, the teams that gets hit the hardest for not making a, to at least the postseason. Oh, the, there's no doubt. Everyone, everyone was circulating that LeBron uh, tweet from earlier in the year. Like, yeah, keep that same energy talking about our age and my guys like and all that. It's like, oh, well, actually, everyone is exactly right. You guys all got hurt and it ended up being an awful season. One of the most disappointing seasons for a team in the history of the NBA. Oops. Did you see the one shining moment Lakers version? So good. <laughs> I advise anyone that hasn't seen that yet, go check it out. But you, yeah, you mentioned those three guys. Uh, first of all, the Lakers already have 146 million uh, locked in for next year uh, when it comes to salaries. Russell Westbrook will be making 47 million dollars next year. LeBron will be making 44, and Anthony Davis just under 38 million so you got 47 <laughs> 44 and 38 for those those three i bet guys. lebron just loves that westbrook makes more money than him oh i'm sure he's thrilled yeah he, he's he's uh he's not petty enough for that is he there's no way yeah but when that team was put together everyone was like oh that that doesn't seem like it's gonna work very well especially they got they got rid of a couple of key pieces, right? They were especially yeah. like, you know, Caruso was vital to that team, you know, with well, what he brought on the defensive end. I mean, they got rid of really good they, role guys. Yeah, even with what they got out of guys like, um, uh, like when Howard or, oh gosh, why am I drawing a blank on the seven footer? Uh, Javale McGee. Javale McGee. Howard. Yes, Javale McGee. Like that. 
people can say whatever they want about those players, but they served a really good purpose on those teams. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's been a disaster, but Hey, it's been really enjoyable for me to watch. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And they, uh, they aren't going to the playoffs and everyone made fun of them, which was very entertaining for us. Hey, and you know what? As miserable as that season looked like it was for those guys, I'm sure everyone is like, I'll see you guys in October. <laughs> I'm going to take my gajillion dollars, go on a good vacation, and I'll see you next year, guys. If you need to see me, find the yacht in the Mediterranean. Yeah, maybe they'll hop on one of those those yachts that's been seized. Hey, there you go. Hey, maybe they can get a cheap rental price, you know? <laughs> you never know. All right, I'll get to mine. But first... If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least... You got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, I don't think you're going to like this one, Ted. Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. They were down 15 in the national championship game against North Carolina. Came out in the second half, and they were a completely different team. I thought North Carolina kicked Kansas's ass physically in the first half. And in the second half, Kansas ramped it up, man. Ramped up their defensive pressure. I thought they really, that that increase in pressure really led them to playing with more confidence and tempo, uh, got out and transitioned some more. I, I don't necessarily think UNC even choked. Uh, I think they ran out of gas a little bit, but I think Kansas went and took it from them. And they, they did it, and they can completed the biggest comeback in the history of the championship game. And in that second half, they got contributions from seemingly everyone, right? Big plays from Christian Brown, big shots from Remy Martin, some massive moments from David McCormick late in that game. And by the way, he, he should have been the most outstanding player, not Ochai Abaji, uh, Jalen Wilson. He finally hit some layups. In the second half, they, they just had so many guys step up, but uh, I thought it was, it was mainly because of the way that they defended, and North Carolina took some, they took some bad shots. And North Carolina was also beat up, man. I, I got a ton of respect for Armando Baycott. Dude battled. Uh, Caleb Love tweaked his ankle, although he tweaked it all on his own, <laughs> which, and that guy kind of shot North Carolina out of the game, in my opinion. Brady Manick. I, I don't know how Brady Manick was feeling the next morning after that game. I mean, elbows straight to the forehead. 
Puff Johnson was throwing up on the court. Like a lot was going on for the Tar Heels. Uh, but, you know, even with all that, they, they were that close to winning a national title. And that's a hell of a year for Hubert Davis. But Kansas gets its fourth title and Bill Self gets his second title, which puts him in a very small fraternity of coaches. Yeah, Kansas got it done. Um, I thought North Carolina had it, man. I thought they were about to complete just an unbelievable close to the season, like close the thing like a freight train. Yes, you know, it, it always pays to be hot at the right time, and boy, North Carolina was. I don't know. How, you're right. Brady Manick, the last time I saw elbow like that, it was whenever Nahara's skull got caved in. Uh, that was brutal. And he got up. He I, he didn't even sit, right? He he stayed in the game right after that. Um, that was just brutal. But, dude, you got to give it up to, to Manic. You know, decided to, to go to the transfer portal, ended up at North Carolina. And he just got better and better as the season went on for them. Had himself one hell of a senior season. Yeah. He did, and one hell of a season for the Kansas Jayhawks. I know a lot of people want to bring up them, you know, not being punished at all yet. I know you and I disagree on this, Ted. I, re- I really don't care. I, you, yeah. you, look at, you look at the collection of guys that Bill Self just took to go and won a title with, it's a pretty damn good coaching job. Pretty impressive. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's a top. 35 recruit in the bunch. I think the only McDonald's all American was David McCormick. And I, this, this is probably his best coaching job ever. And I'm, I'm not going to disparage what these kids accomplished uh, because of something that happened several years ago that they were no part of. I'm not going to do that. I, I get people that want to point that out. I just, I think the kids earned it. The game's played in between the lines and these kids that had nothing to do with any of that Adidas stuff, uh, they they deserve to be celebrated. It's a hell of a season, and that was a hell of a comeback in that game. Yeah. Let me clarify. My anger is not at the kids. It's not really even at Bill Self. It's at the NCAA. The NCAA... I think when everyone brings this up, it's more of an indictment on how uneven the NCAA doles out punishment, how they allow some people to get away with things and others they absolutely hammer. Um, Yeah, people are going to throw jabs at Kansas, but for the most part, I think it's more so pointed at the, at least on my end, it's pointed at the NCAA, how big of a failure they are. Yeah, no, I understand that. All right, for my loser of the week, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, <laughs> beat the Suns on Sunday. Uh, they're they're also they're they're finishing up a game right now. Oh, thank gosh, they're losing to the Jazz. They're down fifteen. You never know; they may come back and win. Uh, okay, Tuesday night though. I mean, just brutal, man. Uh, okay, because the Suns they rested everyone on Sunday. Okay whatever not cool sons but whatever now chris paul played and he wrote the thank you okc on the shoes and that was great but then tuesday night the thunder started xavier simpson yergos 
Kalidzakis, which I don't even know. That's there's no way that's right. <laughs> it Kreji, Jalen Horde, and Isaiah Roby. They were down 19 to the Trailblazers at one point. They end up outscoring the Trailblazers 31 to 12 in the fourth quarter, and they won 98-94. They played seven guys, three of which were on 10-day contracts, and all three of those 10-day guys played 43 minutes or more in the game. Jalen Horde went for 24-20 and and had three assists. He's just, I think, like the seventh 20-and-20 guy in Thunder history. He is the first rookie with a 20-20-3 game on 60% shooting since Shaq. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Listen, I, I want to be happy for him, right? Winning's fun. I get it. But trying to finish in that bottom three, boys. We're trying. And Kalitzakis, however you say it, 17 points. Simpson had 10, mostly on, like, running hook shots, which were kind of sweet. I'll, I'll fully admit that. But the Thunder, you look, they've won four of their last seven. Now they're going to lose to the Jazz tonight, God willing. <laughs> but I just, I mean, they got the fourth worst record in the league right now. We want them to finish in the bottom three, so that way they get the best odds for the lottery. And it just... The, the, the franchise, the, the winning culture, just they just can't tank all the way, Ted. They just can't do it. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, earmuffs, kids, but we are the shittiest tanking team in the history of pro sports. We can't do it. It's, I, I, I don't even know. Like, you should be going out there on the floor and tackling guys, right? And I guess this proves that you don't play guys – that are going out there like this is their NBA finals game seven. Like this is their moment, right? Don't play those guys play a bunch of old vets that know what's going on here. You know that it doesn't really even matter for them. Play, what the outcome play the veterans that are going to treat it like a pickup game. Yes. Not yes. Not the guys that are like, you know what? This is my one chance. <laughs> this is how I make a roster next season. And that's what's happening now. Man, that, that Horde guy played his ass off. I'll give him credit. But, man, that was tough. That was so painful watching that comeback. I was, like, excited, but at the same time, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, yeah, they did it. Oh, wow. <sighs> being, being a Thunder fan is hard right now. I, I just want him to be good again, Ted. That's all I want. There is some entertainment factor there, though. It's like, can we lose this? I mean, it's. Is it possible? Can we get it done? It's so <sighs> Episode 203 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great week and enjoy the Masters, everybody. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Yeah.